Hey folks, Machine Repeat here. Welcome to our Machine Repeat podcast. This is episode number 16. We want to definitely thank you for stopping by and sharing your time with us. And I think we've got a very interesting conversation you're going to enjoy today. Interesting topic. Um, Now before we get started, we need to thank our good friends at Case IH for sponsoring the podcast. And tell you what, I've spent the last few weeks on the road. I've been down at Louisville for the National Farm Machinery Show and then last week in San Antonio for Commodity Classic, and tell you what, Case IH exhibit, buzzing both places. Um, so as we inch closer to get rolling here for 2020, uh, visit your local Case IH dealer with the new products, as well as their supply of used equipment. They've got what you need to get the job done in 2020. Now again, uh, episode number 16 here. This episode kind of dear to my heart. Um, going to get into the topic of engineering and all these years I travel around and so many farmers that I've met uh, young and old all the way from young kids on up to farmers over the hundred year old mark uh, that sense of can do itness and just figuring out a way kind of have an engineering heart um, but we're going to actually talk about the field of uh, engineering as it pertains to farm equipment today with a discussion with Maury Salls, president of Kloss Omaha Incorporated. Fascinating discussion. Now, to tie it back, why it's so fascinating for me, because I've told people this when I speak around the country, but basically I'm a numbers guy, always have been. Now, I was an accounting major in college, basically because I liked my high school accounting teacher. He, he was a great teacher, Mr. Orvik, Benson High School, 1984, when I graduated. But I didn't know anything about engineering. I didn't know what it was. I uh, I loved math and I loved science. And I wish, you know, not to hit a rewind button, but I, I wish when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, somebody would have told me, hey, young Greg here, uh, you let's talk about engineering. It's a fascinating field. And just as a numbers guy, for example, this is podcast number 16, um, so my whole life I've associated numbers with, with people in sports. So when I think of number 16, I think of a few players. Of course, Joe Montana with the San Francisco 49ers won a couple Super Bowls. Everybody knows Joe. Uh, Jim Plunkett, if you're a little older like me, won a couple Super Bowls for the Raiders back in the early 80s. But my all-time favorite number 16 football player would well, be George Blanda. Now, if you guys don't know who George Blanda is, young listeners out there, ask your grandpa who George Blanda is. In 1970, when he was 43 years old, he was AFC Player of the Year. He was a backup quarterback and a kicker for the Oakland Raiders. And I think he played until he was 48 years old. That's an amazing guy. Passed away just a couple years ago, I think. But that's my favorite number 16 football player. Baseball, again, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but Whitey Ford, famous New York Yankee. Again, if you don't know who Whitey Ford is, ask your grandpa. Hall of Fame pitcher for the Yankees. Uh, Dwight Gooden, pitcher for the Mets, number 16. Again, I associate numbers with people. It's actually how I remember my family members' cell phone numbers. I break it down into jersey numbers. Uh, now, hockey, number 16, that would be Brett Hall. Of course, played for the St. Louis Blues most of his career. Wound up with 741 goals, third most in NHL history. Um, or maybe Bobby Clark. Played back in the mid-70s, 80s with the Philadelphia Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies, won two Stanley Cups, I think 74-5. and 
I, I picture Bobby Hull with his number 16, his long hair, and missing his two front teeth. So there you go, NHL hockey in the 70s, I guess. But again, numbers for me, that's just sort of how I've oriented my life. Now, worked out pretty well compiling over a million auction prices for 30 years. This business I've built, every tractor model number or piece of equipment has a model number and a price. So I've been able to scratch the, my numbers itch that way. Now, let's take an example, like our tractor of the week this week. Um, we probably should have done this one before, but uh, John Deere 4455. Iconic model Deere made from 1989 to 92. Um, you know, beloved model. I've written a lot about them. Uh, you know, a ton of demand for these things, even now as they stretch out to be almost 30 years old or just over 30 years old. And 4455s are top of mind this week because on Wednesday which would be March 4th, there's actually an online estate auction over in, let's see, I think it's in Wheeler, Wisconsin. Yes, our friends at Hager Auction, Barry Hager, great auctioneer over there. He's got a sale, online estate auction, this Wednesday, March 4th. It's for William Beskar. Now, on this sale, there are a pair of 1990 model 4455 two-wheel drives, and one has 2,926 actual original hours, the other one, 48.96 actual hours. So we'll be watching that. I'll write a blog uh, Wednesday night after the sale, let everybody know uh, what they went for. But as I got looking, John Deere 4455s, the highest auction price I've ever seen on a two-wheel drive 4455. It's pretty interesting. It was back on March 28, 2013 in Walker, Iowa. Uh, I was there that day, filmed a YouTube video of it. It was a uh, 1990 model, 2,393 hours, sold for $73,750. And auctioneer Louis Zumbaugh sold it. Here's a little video clip from my YouTube video of that thing selling again for $73,750 on March March 28th, 2013, that was actually the, maybe the absolute peak of the used market before kind of this major correction when commodity prices fell uh, spring of 13. So again, that was a pretty good buoy in the water there that day, 73,750. That's still the record. So we'll see if the one Wednesday uh, comes anywhere close to that. Now, if I look the last uh, three plus years, the highest auction price I've seen on a two-wheel drive, 4455 
was back on December 16th of 2017. It was a farm auction in northwest Ohio by my friend Aaron Siefker. He sold a 91 model two-wheel drive with 2,994 hours on it. went for 55000 bucks. So again, that's the highest two-wheel drive, 4455 the last little over three years. But I would say if we include mechanical front-wheel drives, my gosh, I go back to December 8th of 18, consignment auction in Kenyon, Minnesota, just up the road from me here, about 30 miles uh, in Rochester. This was a sale by our good friends at Maring Auction, their spring consignment sale. And Matt and Kevin and Adam, man, they had an unbelievable tractor, a 90 model 4455 mechanical front, 1,904 hours on it. it sold for $90,500, highest auction price I've ever seen on a 4455 sold without a loader. And the big thing here, again, with the hours, 1,904 hours, and it was a one-owner. And here's a clip of that baby selling again, December 8th, 2018. And we got $88,000. I'll be damned. Here we go. 91. And a one. Now 91. It's nothing finer than that, but it's all money and it's going to have a new home. It's going to have a new home. We got 90,500 and 91,000 and 91 and now 90,500 Sold the tractor for 90500 Thank you both. Thank you both. All right, folks, again, so there you go, 4455s. We'll watch the sale. Wheeler, Wisconsin on, on Wednesday. Check out machinerepeat.com for the blog. Let you know what those pair of low-hour two-wheel drives sell for. Now, again, our topic is engineering, and, you know, it's interesting. Again, I've, I've, I said I always liked numbers. Now, my wife and I, Jackie, we have two daughters, Megan and Josie. They're aged 28 and 26 now. Um, and as they were growing up, they loved math and science. And our oldest daughter, Megan, she wanted to be a teacher her whole career. So she got into teaching, loves it. It's in her seventh year teaching high school math out in Pennsylvania, loves it. Our daughter, Josie, graduated in high school in 2011 here in Rochester. Now, you got to remember, the girls, when they were graduating, that was kind of when the Great Recession was hitting. So times in ag were going great, but the wider economy was tanking. People losing their jobs, just a tough period. And I was trying to advise Josie, our youngest daughter, on career paths. And I didn't know a ton about engineering. It was ambiguous. What is an engineer? I don't know. But I had a bunch of buddies here in Rochester that I played golf with that were computer engineers at IBM in town. Big plant for going back to like 57. And... I just picked their brain relentlessly. And Josie was interested in engineering, wound up being a chemical engineer, went to Purdue. But we visited Iowa State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue, exploring the engineering programs. And I tell you what, I was fascinated. Like I say, if I could hit a rewind button, I'd be an engineer in a heartbeat. And what impressed me is just there's nothing you can't do if you're an engineer. You're a problem solver, and you're building tomorrow. Now, on this topic, again, we'll bring this around to our guest, Maury Sauls, president of Class Omaha Incorporated. And Maury was also, uh, he's just the recent past president of the American Society of Agricultural and Biological Engineers, ASABE. 
an organization that goes back to 1907. So you talk about building farm equipment, tractors, combines, to get the job done on the farm. Think how far we've come in the last 113 years. Well, engineers have driven the change, taken the ideas about a better way, a better tractor, bigger, better, faster, planters, combines, tractors, and engineers make it happen. So fascinating discussion now with our guest, Maury Sahls, president of Klaus Omaha Incorporated. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We We farm farm millions millions of acres acres across across North North America America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity. Hey folks, I want to welcome our guest to the show today, Maury Sauls, president of Kloss Omaha Incorporated. Maury, uh, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Greg. It's fun to be on board. Yeah, well, it was it was uh, fun to get connected there at Commodity Classic. Uh, we had a nice visit, and thank you for uh, informing me of the man a really cool event we got to touch on here. Uh, why don't we set that up first off here, Maury? Uh, this July we have a big uh, big event coming. Yeah, yeah, no, we uh, for us in the Midwest we have this great uh, meeting of engineers, about two thousand of them. It's called the ASABE uh, Annual International Meeting. Uh, for those who don't know what ASABE is, it's the American Society of Agricultural and Biological Engineers, kind of a techie group. Uh, we're the kind of uh, folks who design tractors and combines and and waterways and conservation methods in the fields and irrigation systems, how to get water. Uh, but it's a group that really comes up with the ways on which uh, farmers, the tools and the processes for farmers and folks working off the land. And so this is an annual meeting that moves around the country, and this year we're lucky enough to have it in Omaha. Okay. And it's, did you say it's July 13th through the 15th? It's the July 13th through the 15th. It starts out on a Monday and ends on a Wednesday. And uh, folks will roll in here, I believe, on uh, Sunday. And then uh, there is one more side. There are several side events we're running with it. Uh, we're very happy to help uh, the Nebraska Tractor Test Lab celebrate its 100th year of operation. Wow. Uh, this is in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska. And that's on July 11th. And then a little bit of a second side event will be we're uh, hosting a future engineers day for about a hundred kids per day uh, to come into our uh, convention, into our meeting and uh, experience what engineering's about. So two nice side events and uh, really excited about the hundred years of the Nebraska tractor test lab. Uh, it's a fantastic organization. Right. Oh, well, so much it's woven through our history of uh you know, agricultural development here, the Nebraska Test Lab, 100 years, man. Think of all the, you know, everything's run through there. It's, uh, it's a lot to ponder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's really cool because uh, it's really the only uh, regulatory body for measuring tractor performance. And it's only regulatory uh, coverage is the state of Nebraska. But 
due to its history and its integrity and everything, none of the other states have ever uh, gone any further with putting in their own uh, requirements. And all the uh, manufacturers have respected it so much, they all bring their tractors through there just to get the stamp of approval by the tractor lab. Right. And uh, it's it easily could be done where the manufacturers don't have to go there, mm-hmm. but it is such a, a integral part of our culture that it's just uh, a must-to by almost all the manufacturers. They just say, we have to go there because it, it confirms to the user exactly what we're delivering, and that's what we want. Right. We want people to trust our products, and they want uh, that that little stamp of approval. Right. Very cool. So you at this uh, in the event, July thirteenth to the fifteenth in Omaha. That's you guys call it. Is it AIM? Yeah, yeah we call it our annual international meeting. Okay. And for short, AIM. For A S A B E. Okay. Yeah. So, that's right. Uh, so you, again, there'll be an opportunity a day to go out to the Nebraska <laughs> Test Lab um, to help celebrate that one hundred year anniversary during the event. Right. Right. So okay. if folks register for the event, they can also register for the uh, Tractor Lab event. Okay. And they have to come a day earlier. So sure. But uh, it helps uh, justify the travel a lot more. Right. Now, people, if, if folks are interested. In, in the event, more information or the sign-up component of it, Maury, where should they go? So the best place to go to is www.asabe.org and look for the annual international meeting sign-up, and you'll find all the information there. Okay. And the future engineer day that you'll be, or the component that runs each day of the event. So... Mm-hmm. How, how about that? Now, if kids, you're looking for like kids in high school or college? Yeah, this should be kids that range from the age of 13 to 18. Okay. And it really will be an invite by group. So okay. the leaders of these groups will be the ones we will reach out to. And we anticipate most of them will be very local to Omaha sure. just due to the nature of, mm-hmm. of travel and such. And so yeah, that will also be under that same www.asabe.org and look for annual international meeting and you'll find something in there. Okay. Well, let's, let's peel this back a little bit now, Maury, on the topic of engineering. Um, now, your career, again, you're the president of Kloss Omaha Incorporated and your background, I mean, you're, you're an engineer. Why don't you walk us through how you got into, the, how you got into this industry? Well, it's pretty easy. I started out as a, grew up on a small farm in Northwest Iowa, and we raised everything. We raised uh, corn and soybeans and oats and hay, and we had cows for milking. We had beef cows for uh, feeding out. Uh, We did uh, farrowing from uh, farrowing to feeding finish. And uh, yeah, so I learned about all the things about farming there was and I always thought I'd love to be an engineer Uh, my mom and dad told me they knew I was going to be an engineer at age five or six Ah. for some reason I was always tinkering with something taking something apart putting it together okay but then uh, so I went on to engineering at Iowa State University through the ag engineering department there Uh, and then uh, graduated and went on to work for John Deere 
and spent many years there until uh, the economy kind of crashed and uh, decided, well, farming, always as a young age, you wonder if that's really that exciting. So I mm -hmm. went off and went to the aerospace industry for a short bit oh, wow. uh, because uh, I thought that would be more exciting. Okay. You know, as a young kid who hadn't been really out of the state of Iowa too much, you know, there's other places. So I did okay. that. I went to Dallas-Fort Worth to work for a company called Bell Helicopter, designing drive systems for the V-22 Osprey, the Osprey, which was, like, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, and I, my limited helicopter knowledge, I know there's something different about Ospreys. What Can you describe them, Maury? Well, this particular vehicle is uh, was a project for the Marines, and it's a vertical takeoff aircraft where the outside nacelles uh, point up vertically for takeoff and then rotate to the forward to turn it into an airplane. Wow. So it provides a much higher uh, altitude capability machine as well as long distance for what they wanted to have as over the horizon retrieval of uh, Marines. Okay. And you see it, you'll see them show up in all the different movies, the high tech movies, military movies, right. when they're trying to show off tech. But uh, it looks like an airplane in the airplane mode, and it looks kind of like a helicopter with two props on each end of the wings in the helicopter mode. So uh, huh. it was a cool machine. Uh, just I found out the military lifestyle or military contractor lifestyle just wasn't quite my mm. bag. Okay. <laughs> too many, too many pieces of paper, too many uh, contracts, too sure. much uh, uh, office time. So uh, I decided I had to give them back. So I left that industry and came back to ag in the central part of the U.S., Chicago, and joined Case IH yep. and was with them for many years. Yep. Great company, too. <clears throat> and uh, for various internal reasons, I got pulled back to John Deere for a short bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, But uh, then oh, Kloss came to North America with yep. the Caterpillar. Yep. And uh, they said they wanted somebody from the Midwest, from this region near Omaha, to help them lead their engineering and uh, developments in North America. And uh, for me, I was looking for a, a startup type of opportunity, which yep. you don't get very often. Right. And, uh, and it was in the right location, middle of the U.S., in the good farmland area. And so I jumped on board, and I've been with uh, Klaus ever since then, uh, the last 19 years. 19 years, wow. Well, it's, okay. it's so interesting, Maury, uh, on the whole topic of engineering, like we were visiting a little bit at Commodity Classic. I, I grew up and had no awareness of engineering, but we have two daughters – and they graduated high school in 09 and 11, so right after the Great Recession, or what, as it was unfolding. And they were both into math and science growing up, and I wanted to learn more about engineering. Just a fascinating field. I was blown away by, once you graduate, the different career paths forward. Just amazing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, it's it's it. it I... I... I'm a little bit biased, but I really do believe engineering is a great background for anywhere. You can be a really stay hardcore design and development where you're only working on the new things, 
but I've seen a lot of people diverge off into sales and marketing and product support and customer relations and marketing. Uh, currently, our class Omaha, our, our class Omaha marketing manager is an ag engineer. Mm, very interesting. So he's he's actually doing marketing. <laughs> there you go. Well, I uh, I was just fascinated. <clears throat> to visit with our daughter, Josie. She visited Iowa State, We and boy, what a great program Cyclones have there. And we visited Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue. She wound up at Purdue, but I, w I was just fascinated by these different programs and the systematic way of analyzing issues. And there's issues in any type of business. Um, it just seems like, yeah, you're an engineer is just trained to kind of problem solve i mean that's that's that is the root you got it right on the head greg it's it's problem solving and there isn't any one job out there that you don't have to solve the next problem and if you can think about it in a analytical way if you can think of it in a, a direct forward method uh people usually start coming to those folks for getting help right right so, so they're usually sought out because they usually connect concept to reality right and you know there's always this first idea well what about this how about if we do this the engineer starts going okay if we do that we got to do da 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 da, da. Yep. <laughs> and oh by the way this counts this this counts this this it well that don't work right <laughs> Now, okay, one thing I was interested to, again, as a father of two daughters who were into science and math, and again, I didn't grow up around engineering. I didn't have an engineering mom or dad or grandpa or uncle or anything, was, you know, awareness of the field back down the chain. So even when you're fourth, fifth, sixth grade, eighth grade into high school, um, what now someone who's had an amazing engineering career with companies like Deere and Case and Kloss and, and, the, and uh, on the helicopter side, what advice would you give, Maury, both to young kids and maybe their parents about the engineering field? What would you say? Well, I would give them advice. Don't just assume that the old traditional ways are the ways you have to live with. Uh, Girls are as smart and a lot of times smarter than boys, particularly when it comes to problem solving. Uh, girls can be uh, engineers and technicians and specialists just like anybody else. Uh, don't uh, Kids should be given all the opportunities in the world to see what's going on. So I would just recommend when possible, get your kids walking through different uh, companies, get them walking through different events where they can experience it. Um, just because they think they want to be one thing in the early days, let them see and experience as much as they can, as early as they can. Mm. So I got, I did not know about ag engineering mm. until my first year in college. Really? Okay. Yeah, I actually signed up to be a mechanical engineer because that was the things that the counselor said. Well, engineering is electrical, mechanical, chemical. That's about it. Right. And the breadth of engineering is so wide. If a youngster likes math at all, 
and it doesn't have to be a genius in math. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be tolerant of math yeah. <laughs> and the sciences and the technologies. Uh, there is great opportunities for them and great basis. And uh, you can always get a job as an engineer or a technician. And doesn't mean you will be that. Just means you have right. that background. Right. So expose them to as much of that as you can. And uh, it's a great basis to start from. Right. Well, I, I got to tell you, Maury, again, coming off the Great Recession with two daughters heading into college, that was the aspect of engineering that it kind of, I don't know, it drew me in, like, because people were getting laid off and, and it was a tough time. and um, But it just seemed like, it just seemed like the path forward for engineers, you had so many different ways to go. Um, what about, you know, would you say to to a to a kid let's talk let's say maybe a kid's like 15 or 16 years old boy or girl they like math they like science trying to think about what they want to be they don't have a clear picture of what an engineer is what would you tell them about the field about the field it's uh you can do if you like to solve problems if you like to create things make things be part of a group that uh, builds the next tractors or the next uh, uh, computers for tractors. Uh, you should think about engineering. Mm. Think about uh, how does something get created? And if you like that process, and particularly I'm very biased toward ag and biological, yep. if you like that feed, if you'd like to be part of how people get fed, how that happens, if you want to be a part of the chain, if you'd like to see where those, where, where does the meat come from? The the real meat and the fake meat. Where's, right. Where does it come from? Right. Or how does it get to them? And have the satisfaction that you're helping people sustain uh, life. Uh, think about uh, agricultural and biological and LBLA engineering would be a great piece of that. Mm-hmm. So any combination of uh, uh, characteristics can be added, and then you add the word engineering, and yes, it's how do you do it. Right. You're really talking about, I mean, yeah, thinking about what you want to do with your life, but making a difference. Engineering is the great path to hop in anywhere along the path. Yeah, I, I think engineering, and again, I'm a quite biased uh, we are the change agents. We engineers are the ones who design it. And uh, yes, if I've, I've been a farmer too, where I try to repair something and I test out that engineer, well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, then you can go back and try to change it so they don't cuss at you. <laughs> right. Well, listening has to be a, a requisite skill or a very valuable skill for an engineer, engineering team, I would imagine. That's right. Interpreting requirements. Um, whenever a, a company sits down and says, "Hey, we need the next next big thing," it always starts from listening to the customers, mm-hmm. and the customer will tell you one thing, and how you interpret it is critical to what the future product is. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just because they say, "Well, I need a bigger tractor." And then you say, well, how big is big? And they say, well, it has to be able to at least, I, I need to do 40 feet of width. Yep. 
and then you go 40 feet of what you know and then you just keep asking and asking and it sounds very simple right. at first right. but then you start talking to farmer one and he has a different impression about what that 40 foot is doing versus the next one and the next one and then your job is to aggregate these ideas into something that is a singular product <laughs> right right what does that what does that feel like as an engineer and part of a team like that to interpret that statement like we need this the next big thing to see that through out into the market what does that feel like oh it's it is fun it it takes many many years but when you really see the final product coming off the line and hitting uh, the market and seeing how the f uh, folks are using your product it's really cool you you go around and your eye catches that no matter where you're at mm. <laughs> and you're proud right and oh. you're you're happy that it's doing doing hopefully what you plan to do and what's really you spend the rest of the time going well it didn't quite answer all the problems <laughs> well, right 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 well it's it's yeah. it struck me again our daughter she was a chemical engineer from purdue went to work in industry and listening to her talk about what she's doing and listening more to your stories here i mean engineers you guys are you're literally building the future we're we're trying to interpret what the future needs are and we're setting back in year about five or six years ahead of a new product Sometimes it's one year, but most of the time it's multiple years, hmm. and you're trying to predict the future. It's got to be challenging with the pace of change these days so rapid to, to stay out on the, the bleeding edge like that. Uh, but, I mean, that's what you guys got to do. Well, yeah, and it's, it's a balance as well because technology is running fast. And, but how far do you reach on any one increment of change? is really a team decision you know uh, well how fast should this thing go or how much capability should we put in it and how much tech do we really have confidence we can deliver reliably right. i mean you you can go way out on the edge and have products work only a few hours a day which would not be good you might not be in business <laughs> right, right. if you reach too far. And that is a, that is the decision going on uh, continually in these new product developments about, well, what piece of this can we go with and what do we have to hold back on? Right. Uh, a good example, uh, I work every day on the Lexian Combine by Kloss. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it's a single machine, but it's got hundreds of subsystems and each subsystem is its own little thing and right. so each one of those subsystems have to come together working in harmony with each other to make that machine run through the field doing what we wanted to do right. and if one of those subsystems drops you hope as an engineer you can figure a way that okay maybe i don't need to have that one running good example radio fails okay i can shut off the radio right mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but oh by the way my customer's not as happy right. because 
no, he's not hearing his news report. <laughs> he's not getting his machine repeat uh, agritech right. segment. There you go. <laughs> so he's he's not as happy. And oh, by the way, you'll probably hear back through his dealer and that that the radio didn't work. Right. <laughs> But that's that's a simple one. Right. But you can talk about the engines, the drive systems, the electronics, the precision farming aspects of a of harvester. Um, there are so many subsystems that are being engineered simultaneously to a product introduction that uh, it's quite complicated, and it takes a lot of systematics to achieve it. So. Uh, but it it truly is interesting when it all comes together. You sit there going, "Wow!" It's sometimes even for myself. I look at our our Lexian combine. There are so many subsystems running, right. and there's no downtime. We we've worked it out, and uh, usually it's just things are good. Right. So uh, that's really fun to watch when they're running in the field and. And there's nothing better for us on harvesting as well as farmers seeing their crop come in, right? Right, right. And uh, for me, uh, combines are and harvester products and tractor. I mean, when they're working, you know that uh, a farmer is able to think about something else. Right. He can plan on something else. So that's that's just good feelings. Right. Well, now I, I, I would be remiss at this point, more if I didn't uh, inquire a little bit about, again, you're involved there with the Kloss Combines, and gosh, 2020 here, big year. Um, can you speak just a little bit about the, the changes? I know we've, color-wise, of course, we've gone from the yellow to the green, but I know uh, capacity has increased and some exciting things happening there with Kloss. Oh, yeah, I know the, the new vehicle's got a lot of nice improvements on it. We've upped the power, of course. We've upped the throughput. We've uh, changed our harvesting uh, internals, our what we call our accelerator pre-separation systems. We've upgraded the threshing capacity on it, made of larger drums, which uh, actually, as over the years, we found out the larger you go in this particular area, the more gentle we can be. So our grain quality has been upped again, mm. which is really nice. Uh, we've put in uh, a larger heads, of course. We have now a, a flex draper head up to 45 foot, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, which can fly at six to seven mile an hour cutting soybeans um, with all the controls to really shave the ground when you need to, right? Wow. Uh, we've uh, continued our process of plug and play with uh, precision farming. Uh, you can plug an ag leader or a trimble or precision planting onto our machines, not a problem, whatever system you need. Uh, up the grain tank, or we've got the largest one now at 500 bushel. Unloading system upgraded as well, so you can dump that in about 100 seconds, 5.1 um, bushels per second unloading. Um, yeah, just it kind of goes on and on. We've simplified things. Uh, most of the settings now are all touch in from the cab for changeover from crops. Hmm. That's probably the nicest uh, feature for corn soybean guys is on our new machine, our 8,000 level machine. Uh, you can basically change from corn to soybeans with pretty much a touch of the buttons from the cab. Yeah, that is nice. Which which makes changeover and you know if you're in the morning if you're running in corn in the morning and 
then you got to switch over and midday, you know, you just don't want to take any time. You want right. to do it as fast as you can. And then you probably got to switch over again in the evening to get back on corn. So yep. when you flip flop twice a day, um, this now becomes quite easy with our new machine. It sounds like an engineering success to me, Maury. Well, we hope so. Uh, as all new introductions, the engineers uh, have done everything they can. And when your baby goes to the market, you are just crushing your fingers that everything works out. You sure. know, there's so many chances of, of risk. And the, the number one thing, of course, is always we hope everybody, it's all safe. And we do our very, very best to make them as safe as sure. we can. But these machines are are big they're right. powerful right. they are productive and uh, like all things like that uh, safety is our number one concern that's that's right. what we're always worried about the most we sure. hope we've done everything right right well uh on the topic of 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 the new combine with Klaus there i understand you guys at agritechnica late in 19 actually Am I right? Did you guys win Combine of the Year for your new Lexus? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've received Machine of the Year from uh, there uh, for Alexian. Uh, we've received a lot of awards. Uh, this year, even, we've received Plus, introduced uh, a bunch of new products. We received six awards from ASABE for wow. AE50 awards, okay. uh, touching the Combine, uh, Convio uh, Flex Header, Jaguar, uh, Baitler, honestly, I lose track of the award. <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a good thing, Maury. It means you guys are kicking butt. That's uh, well, good we're stuff. we're trying. Uh, our our number one mission at Kloss is to offer a product that is uh, premium, uh, premium in performance, not just. Uh, and we think we price on our competition, and uh, we think we give an alternative that uh, gives the farmer more money in his pocket that's that's our target is right. more money in the pocket right. and uh, um, we'd ask people to give us a thought when the the next time around but uh, right. we know there's multiple reasons in why you buy a piece of equipment uh, we hope you just consider ours in the future right give, give Klaus a look you bet now I was also intrigued by uh, another effort and again it's a competitive industry just like all industry but you know, some of the cooperative efforts. So the, the data connect piece, I was intrigued. You guys through, through what is it called? 365? Uh... Yeah, 365 is our uh, uh, one of our precision farming and data connection services. And yeah, we've, we've working with the industry now. We, we all know that data is becoming more and more important. And that uh, the cross-brand uh, data boundaries were were blocking some folks, and so John Deere and Case and Klaus, we've we've come to agreements to start sharing some data at the cl in the cloud level. Yep. So that if a person does run a, a a dark green machine and a dark red machine and a light green machine that's okay right. you can it, there are methods to help share data in the cloud it's just starting uh, i would suggest it's it's really the basics right now of uh, G, oh, gis signal and some very fundamentals but it's the start it's the right way of thinking of how do we uh, do more connectivity and more common things right um 
that's actually part of what ASABE's mission is, is to help develop a cross-brand uh, communications, cross-brand standards. Uh, our goal as a society is to help promote the industry and, and do things that are good for our industry as well as the farmers' uh, agricultural landscape. So mm. um, this this just goes along that same path, which we're very pleased with. Well, that's uh, and uh, we need to do a shout-out to you, Maury, uh, for the American Society of Agricultural and Biological Engineers. You've actually you've been president, was it, the past couple of years? Well, uh, yes, I'm, I'm a past president now. Okay. Uh, last year I was the president, and the way we do our leadership – uh, is it's a three-year term as kind of the incoming president, then you are president and past president, and we use the president's council for direction of the society. And, sure. Yeah, it's been fun. It's a it's a great way to meet a lot of uh, engineers, a lot of folks from different walks of life, different areas. Uh, I was just in California at the Tulare Farm Show, and that's mm. a different group of folks yep. doing things with vegetables and fruits and nuts and raising and all the same problems. Uh, how do you do it better? Right. Well, <laughs> at Maury, the end of the day. Yeah. Now, let's see, in a, another point of congratulations, but uh, um, you're actually, I think you're about a month from retiring now with Clark. Yeah, Did I hear that yeah, right? I've elected to... Uh, uh, take a earlier retirement and uh, from Claw specifically uh, the decision to retire was mostly uh, to get myself some more chance to work with family we had family farms in uh, northwest Iowa yet sure and it's our target to move them to the next generation and and oh I'd like to do a little farming yet myself while I'm in sure. great shape so sure. uh, so it's a chance and the I used to do a lot of international travel, and yep. as much as that's fun when you're really young, yep. as you get a little older, it becomes less fun. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, Maury. Well, now you've had an amazing career in industry engineering with ag and outside of ag, Maury. As you sitting where you are right now, about to retire, and as you look at agriculture going forward, the the pace of change and the requirements like to feed the world that's in front of us. I would, are you excited about young kids and the, the future of oh. ag engineering? I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it can only be exciting. I mean, I think back when I started, uh, we were still thinking about slide rolls and the first calculators. Mm. I mean, the capabilities and the, uh, the tools that are available for us to work on things, and having so much data coming out of the fields, uh, when I first started, we didn't know what was going on at all. I mean, you heard a farmer talk, well, I've got 300 bushel yields. Well, today we can look down to what's going on for every 40 foot square. Sure. And having that much data and having the tools and the future tools, I can imagine, it's just like, wow, what a great time to come into it. Mm. You have a lot more information, and it will only keep growing faster, right? Right. right. Us old guys can't imagine how it really could go that fast. <laughs> but uh, when I look at my granddaughter and grandson, 
and see how they're running through their their iPads and their apps. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm clearly uh, behind the times when it comes to how the speed of uh, of adoption. Yeah. And uh, I think it's there is so much opportunity, and we need it. Honestly, we need right. to increase our output on all the farms. We need to put back into. I believe strongly a lot of farming land should really go back into conservation because it's probably not very profitable per acre mm -hmm. some areas uh in fact that's what we're doing on our farm we're going to convert some more land back into sure. conservation sure. just because it it'd be better for the world better for the habitat and honestly we'll do just as good or better with the other land sure sure and so uh yeah i think there's great opportunity for young kids mm. and uh, i can't wait to see the next uh, 10 15 years what's right. going to happen wow well I'm, I'm again just intrigued by possibilities of making the engineering field more tangible to young people so if, if kids out there they're into stem they're taking their ap classes math and science they like math they like science i mean what again just Bring it around, Maury. What what piece of advice would you give to them about looking at engineering? Oh, uh, just take a serious look at it. Don't get scared by anything. Uh, have confidence and take a look. Scan those websites. Look for engineering uh, groups or nonprofit groups that are <clears throat> uh, with a lot more information. If you think you might like ag and biological type things, look at our website. So you can see what we do on a regular basis <clears throat> excuse me and so uh keep looking um mm -hmm. it's it's oh. an exciting field and no matter which engineering section you choose uh you can always uh, drift to another group uh easily right. <laughs> once, once you get the basics everything else becomes uh, really a point of what makes you tick what's interesting to you what what do you want to change right well that that to me with engineering was so fascinating you just nailed it there the 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 flexibility horizontally across the field it's like you don't 16 year old kid you don't have to know exactly what you want to do but there's just so much opportunity out there uh, right now let me again to make it more tangible now that i'll just relay something <clears throat> with my daughter maury um, again, she was good at STEM. She liked that math and science. And we had a guy in Chicago, they owned a company. It was an electronics company, engineering company. And they just, I knew him personally. And he just invited us in. He said, well, why don't you bring your daughter for, for a morning? We'll just, I'll give you a little tour. Now, is that something, is that a good idea for? Absolutely. Touring, shadowing, uh, different individuals, uh, is always the best way of learning a few getting an insight doesn't right. mean you're learning of course right getting that first insight into what it is uh, that's going on right that's yeah, great a great chance and again another great chance let's bring this around back to the july 13th to the 15th asaabe the annual international meeting in omaha uh your annual aim meeting again uh that includes, or there's a, on the 11th, the Nebraska Test Lab uh, celebration. Uh, again, for folks, kids, groups that want more information on this, Maury, where should they go? Go 
to www.asabe.org and look for the annual international meeting sign-up area. And, and then a, you'll see full, the full agenda and what's all available. And the future engineering day that runs every day of the event? Yeah, it will run every day of the event and starts at uh, basically the groups will start flowing into the convention center about 8.30. And then after that, uh, they take an hour and a half tour and then go off on a tour of another company. Okay. So it's it's back to how do you give them uh, kids an exposure to some real content, visionary content, and then you bring them back to see some reality. Right. Well, I love it, more. Thank you again for bringing the event to my attention at the Commodity Classic, and uh, thank you for joining us on the show, and congratulations on your impending retirement, and, and hats off for how you've given back through um, ASABE over the over your career, Maury, and uh, just fantastic stuff. Well, I really appreciate the time, Greg, and thank you very much. Still using bias tires? Use your chance to upgrade to radial. This spring, Firestone Ag is making it easy with farm hard rewards. Just head to your local certified Firestone Ag tire dealer between now and April 30th and get discounts as big as $200 per tire when you buy two or more eligible Firestone radial tires. Terms, conditions, and limitations apply. Visit firestoneag.com for more details. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Maury there. So fascinating to learn more about the field of engineering. And wow, an exciting event coming up mid-July uh, 13th to the 15th, 2020, out in Omaha, Nebraska. The uh, annual international meeting uh, of the ASAB, uh, the AIM conference. And how cool, with a component for future engineer days, every day of the event. And also the chance to go to the Nebraska Tractor Test Lab in Lincoln for their 100-year celebration. And Maury wanted me to pass along... Too, by the way, that at that event in Lincoln, the Nebraska Tractor Test Lab celebration, which is open. You can just go visit. And Maurice said the best way to describe it is this it will be for tractor geeks. They'll have older tractors right on up through the modern ones, get a close look, talk about the testing, how far we've come. So I hope I can be there. Uh, for this great event. But again, I really want to thank Maury for the conversation. And for you younger listeners out there or parents of younger kids, get in their ear about being an engineer. If you like math or science, I tell you what, this is the ticket forward. And as Maury said, a great idea just to drop in and to take kids out into a business that has engineers and just let them talk to them. Uh, whether it's chemical engineering, a mechanical, electrical, computer. The field's forward from there. You can do anything. So, again, check it out, folks. There's some amazing universities like Iowa State, where Maury went, or Purdue, like where our daughter went, University of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, a fantastic engineering program. So, again, thanks for joining us. And remember now, folks, until next week, remember, every day is a gift and a blessing. Until next episode, we'll see you out at the sales.